This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 122 The Disappearance of Judy Smith In the year 1997, Judy Smith and her husband, Jeffrey, embarked on what was meant to be a simple business trip to Philadelphia. Little did they know that their journey would take a dark and mysterious turn, leading to a haunting tale of disappearance and unexplained events. In the quiet town of Hyannis, Massachusetts, Judy Smith was born on a chilly December day in 1946. She grew up to be a kind and helpful person, always caring for those around her. Judy was known for having a resilient spirit, working her way through college, and eventually becoming a home healthcare nurse. But unfortunately, life hadn't always been easy for her. By the year of 1986, Judy had already gone through two divorces and had two adult children, Craig and Amy from her second marriage. She had carved out a life for herself, focusing on her career and her family. Little did she know that her life was about to take an unexpected turn. Jeffrey Smith, a lawyer, entered her life when Judy was caring for his father after throat surgery. Struck by Judy's kindness and dedication, Jeffrey began to grow fond of her, Both of them had been through the trials of failed marriages, so they decided to take things slow. It took seven years before they moved in together, and another three before they finally tied the knot in the fall of 1996. Their relationship was marked by happiness and a shared love for attending basketball games and going out to the local theater. Everything seemed perfect until Jeffrey was called to work the Northeast Pharmaceutical Conference in Philadelphia in April of 1997. Jeffrey's role as a legal representative for the Northeast Pharmaceutical Conference led him to Philadelphia, where the conference was set to take place from April 9th to April 11th, 1997. Judy decided to accompany him on this trip, as it was their first official trip together On the morning of April 9th, Judy and Jeffrey arrived at Boston's Logan International Airport, ready to catch their 1.30pm flight to Philadelphia. However, just before boarding, Judy realized that she had left her driver's license at home. 
New FAA regulations required passengers to provide identification before boarding, so she wasn't allowed on the plane. With the heavy heart, Judy told Jeffrey to go ahead without her. She would return home to retrieve her license and catch a later flight. He reluctantly agreed, and the couple parted ways at the airport. Judy took the 7.30pm flight to Philadelphia that evening, armed with a bouquet of flowers to apologize for the delay. Jeffrey, however, was just relieved to have her by his side and didn't hold her tardiness against her. The following day, while Jeffrey headed to the conference, Judy set out to explore the historic city of Philadelphia. She planned to visit famous landmarks like Independence Hall and the Liberty Bell, immersing herself in the rich history of the nation. They had agreed to meet back at their hotel room around 5.30pm to attend a cocktail party together. As the time approached, Jeffrey returned to their room, but Judy was nowhere to be found. He assumed there had been a misunderstanding about their meeting time, thinking she had already gone to the party. He went back and forth between the hotel room and the party several times, hoping to run into Judy, but she never appeared. Most of Judy's belongings were still in their room, but her wallet, silver wedding band, diamond engagement ring, and her signature red backpack were missing. She had roughly $200 on her person, Jeffrey believed. As the night wore on and still no sign of his wife, Jeffrey began to worry. He tried to file a missing persons report with the police, but they told him he needed to wait at least 24 hours. Frustrated and desperate, he reached out to Philadelphia's mayor, Ed Rendell, and Pennsylvania House Representative John Prezel, who were attending the conference. They intervened, and the official investigation began. Philadelphia police initially suspected Jeffrey's involvement in Judy's disappearance, doubting she had even made it to the city. However, her name was indeed on the passenger manifest for the 7.30pm flight she took. Several witnesses remembered seeing Judy in Philadelphia before her disappearance. A hotel employee recalled her asking for directions to the flash bus, and a bus driver claimed to have picked her up and dropped her off near the hotel at around 3pm. But the accounts of those who encountered Judy in the days following her disappearance were puzzling, to say the least. Some described her as disoriented, possibly delusional. She spoke in strange tongues and made bizarre comments. At one point, she mentioned that the emperor would wire her money. A homeless man believed that he had slept next to Judy on a bench one night, convinced she was the woman who had vanished. These sightings left investigators baffled, as there was another homeless woman in the area who bore a striking resemblance to Judy. A cashier at a mall in New Jersey just 22 miles from Philadelphia reported that Judy had visited her store. Judy mentioned that she was shopping for her daughter and joked about her daughter's fashion preferences, a detail her daughter Amy confirmed to be accurate. 
The encounter took a strange turn when Judy became confused and tried to persuade a young girl to leave with her, claiming the girl was her daughter. With these sightings, the trail of Judy Smith grew cold, leaving her family and the authorities bewildered. Where had she gone? And why? Months passed and there was no sign of Judy Smith. Her husband, Jeffrey, continued to search tirelessly for her, but the Philadelphia police couldn't find any evidence to explain her disappearance. The case was a puzzle, with too many missing pieces. In the absence of answers, Jeffrey took matters into his own hands. He returned to Boston and launched a massive campaign to find Judy. He faxed and mailed approximately 9,000 flyers with her description up and down the eastern seaboard. He even hired three private investigators to aid in the search, but they uncovered no significant clues. Then, five long months after Judy had vanished, a father and son stumbled upon something unsettling during a deer hunting trip in the Mount Pisgah National Forest near Asheville, North Carolina. What they found was a partially buried skeleton, scattered by wild animals over a hundred-yard area. This gruesome discovery was about 600 miles away from Philadelphia. Lieutenant Sam Constance of the Buncombe County Sheriff's Department was called to the scene to investigate. The pathologist's report indicated puncture wounds and cuts on the bra, consistent with stab wounds. The victim was a white female, probably in her late 40s to mid-50s, but her identity remained unknown. Police requested dental records after a doctor in Franklin, North Carolina, read an article about the discovery and remembered Judy's case. It was a haunting connection. Forensics confirmed that the remains were indeed those of Judy Smith, leaving her daughter Amy in a state of disbelief. Judy's daughter, Amy Hartford, shared her shock and grief. I was shocked. I guess you always anticipate that your parent will die, but not early. We always talked about when I would have kids, and looking forward to that day, and I guess I just never thought that she wouldn't be there for that. The wedding ring and $167 in cash were found at the crime scene, eliminating robbery as a motive. Still, it left everyone with even more questions than answers. How did Judy end up so far away from Philadelphia? Who had taken her life and left her in a shallow grave in a remote area of North Carolina? It was a baffling mystery. Authorities made an even more perplexing discovery. Four eyewitnesses in Asheville claimed to have seen Judy just days before she had vanished. One of them, a retail clerk named Joanne Stucker, described her encounter with Judy, stating, She seemed very alert to me. She was very pleasant. I didn't see anything about her that would indicate that she wasn't right in any way. She told me her husband was an attorney, and that they were from Boston, and that they had been in Pennsylvania, and he was at a convention, 
and she had decided to come down here. These eyewitness accounts only deepen the mystery. If Judy had left Pennsylvania willingly, the question remained, why? Judy's friend, Carolyn Dickey, had her own theory for Judy's disappearance, stating, At the time this happened, Jeff and Judy's marriage was very tenuous. I believe that something did happen that triggered her to want to have some time away from Jeff. According to Lieutenant Constance, investigators found two important clues at the crime scene. A blue and black backpack was discovered, believed to potentially belong to the suspect. Additionally, there was a pair of sunglasses that did not belong to Judy. They were assumed to belong to the suspect as well. The circumstances leading to Judy's murder in that isolated area of North Carolina remain a chilling ghost story, forever etched in time by those she left behind. Was it the work of a stranger, or had she willingly met someone in Asheville? Although the husband was eventually ruled out as a suspect, there are many that still believe he had something to do with it. However, any information he held died with him in 2005. Hopefully one day, an answer to the endless questions will be had. However, for now, the lack of answers have left a void in the hearts of those who loved Judy Smith. Welcome campers to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts, I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now the debrief. <laughs> Welcome back. October is in the rearview mirror, bud. It is. How are you feeling? You know, I've been pretty shaken up about it for the past three days. <laughs> past, Have you? The past few days, yes. Yeah. I don't know, whatever this airs, I'll be shaken, shaken up for a while now, so... Oh, man. What's wrong with you? It just feels bad. Like, I was leaving Chicago recently, and there was literally a whiteout of snow. And I didn't like it. I'm not ready for it. <laughs> Yeah. That's all the snow that I, I want to experience for the rest of this year and next year. Probably ever. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've been really enjoying it, honestly. Like, I know that first day, I think it was Halloween, the day of Halloween, it snowed, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Just a little yep. bit. Just a little. Got, like, Here. little patchy, little patchy flurries. Just enough to, like, start coloring the rooftops. Right. I thought that was really nice. But I was I was in Chicago on Halloween morning and it was yeah. yeah. It was intense. Coming then we get back here and it's like there's some flurries. Yeah. Well up there they have that lake effect snow. I mean yeah. That like makes it so much worse. Yeah, like it was it was crazy. Does that mean yeah, it was like I mean who it was calling for snow, but I didn't expect that. Yeah. That's pretty wild. And Chicago driving sucks anyway, so you had snow on top of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially when you're a few months out of practice. I mean, Chris was you driving, know? and I was just being a horrible passenger passenger <laughs> rider. <so. laughs> yeah, I know that role very well. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah. So I apologize. The last time I went through Chicago, it was pouring rain, and I was in the back seat, and I literally just covered my eyes for 45 minutes. <laughs> just so I wouldn't drive my sister insane. Yeah. Yeah, I had I mean, to, like, put my, I put my that's fucking fair. headphones. I put my, my headphones on and fucking just buried my head in my lap and waited until it was over. You I'm, dude, I'm such like a bitch in those situations. Yeah, basically. Covered up and taken a nap. Yeah. It was the upright fetal position. That's fair. Um, yeah, I'm a terrible backseat driver. Yeah, oh, I am too. Especially it's like, in, in inclement weather, especially, dude. Right. It's, I mean, it's, I get so anxious. But I don't mean to be like, you know, like that annoying asshole that's just like, oh, slow down. But like, sometimes like, I might just anxiety just punches me like literally in the ball sack and it's like yeah deal with it bud yeah yep this is who i am ride it out <laughs> right <laughs> yeah Feels it's bad. um you know all those there are all those like tiktoks and reels of like the husband's driving and the wife like all of a sudden gasps at something that the guy doesn't even notice and it freaks him out you know, while he's driving. Right. That's me. I'm the yeah. wife. I'm the <laughs> wife in that situation. My wife can attest to that. She, I do it all the time. I'll like, and like put my hand up on the roof and yeah. Yeah. I like, I feel like I'm about to die at every moment that I'm in a car though. One thing I found myself doing is I'll like stretch my legs out really like straight and I'm like yep. pressing really hard against the floor. I don't know why it's not like it's going <laughs> to yes. save me or anything probably gonna make things worse worse if we get like on a head in head on collision or whatever because probably just yeah. gonna break my leg you're gonna snap but your legs yep i don't know i feel yeah, like there's I do something too. there that just helps <laughs> helps protect me <laughs> yeah oh well like if you stiffen your entire body it's gonna save you right exactly i don't think it, it quite works it that way yeah that's why drunk people survive car crashes because they're all floppy and they don't tense up the way normal people do yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. It really does, unfortunately. Yeah. <sighs> so, yeah, spooky season's over. We're now officially in the holiday season. Early November. Which I'm, I'm pretty fucking stoked for. Hey. I love the holiday season. Like, now, I, uh, now I'm, like, planning out, like, Thanksgiving and all that coming up, and it's just, like, it feels bad. Yeah. So soon. I get that. My wife and I hosted a Thanksgiving dinner one time very early on, and we're like, yeah, we're never doing this again. Oh, I like to host. I mean, that, that I have no problem with. I'm just like, I'm thinking, wow, that's so soon, because then right after that, it's literally Christmas. And I'm not ready is, for all of, all of that. This is a theory that I have about you. Okay. Okay. Is there a chance that you've sort of assumed this role of like, the guy who likes to host right and you internalize all that stress from the from like hosting a big elaborate thanksgiving or a big elaborate christmas get together or whatever it is fourth of july barbecue whatever you internalize all that stress uh -huh. because because you like you like the role of like the host right right so like Maybe your apprehension about the holiday season is that internalized stress due to hosting that you're not going to be yeah that you're not going to be expressing because you're going to be playing the role of the like the gracious host maybe right maybe I think that's why like housewives in the fifties killed themselves. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, I, I think there's more to it. I think it's like that cold snow and ice that comes with everything sure. that I just don't yeah. like, and it makes me super anxious. Yeah, and we've talked about before the like worrying about your family yeah, and exactly. stuff like that when because everyone's out driving yeah. around in it, and I don't like all that. that. I don't yeah. like it. I yeah. wish I could just pack up my that. family and move to an area that just like barely ever snows. And if it does, yeah. it never accumulates and it never like gets icy. And just right. be like, just enough to look it. pretty in the windows. Right. Yeah. 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 Move them all to like Southern Utah. I don't know about that. I mean, where else does it never snow? Southern California. You could go there. I mean, you know, I could just like move to the UK and just let it rain all the time. It definitely snows in it the snows, UK. It snows, but it's, it barely it barely develops into anything. I've seen some some shots of London pretty blanketed. For like maybe an hour. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I think they get some white Christmases over there. Seattle Seattle gets like minimal amounts of snow per year. They like That's true. Yeah, they get super, super low. But yeah, again, it rains. I'd be into Same that. with Vancouver, if you want to go Canadian, the Canadian side. Yeah, I mean... Vancouver's like that, too. I'd, I'd be into it. I'd be into all of that. That's a, my first... The first time I made a Canadian friend is a guy named Jaxie from... Um, and he lives in Vancouver. And I'd never really... I'd never really had, like, long actual conversations with people, with anyone who lived in Canada... And in the States, we have this idea of Canada as, like, the whole thing is the Great White North. Right. You know what I mean? And he's like, dude, it never snows here. Like, we may get, like, two snowfalls a year, and it melts the next day. I mean, yeah, because all the snow is in, like, the Alberta area, like, literally the middle of the the country. And the east coast of Canada is pretty wild. But, like, the west coast is pretty, pretty mild. Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. mild over there. So we get more snow here than they do in Vancouver, for sure. You know what? And I hate it. I love it. I just I, like, hate it. The snow I'm not a fan of, but like the last week I've been, you know, I walk my kids to the bus stop every morning and like other parents are standing around like acting like they're dying. Right. Like, it's so, it's so cold. I mean, yeah. And I, I fucking love it, dude. Well, I dress for the winter. Crazy. You know what I mean? Like when it's like 30, you know, when it's like 30 degrees or 25 degrees outside in the morning, I wear gloves and a scarf and a hat right? and a coat and boots. And like, <laughs> because I dress for it, I'm able to enjoy it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's another thing that blows me away is how many kids show up to that bus stop wearing like basketball shorts. And it's like literally 25 degrees outside. And I, I mean, have that yeah, parent moment that like, where the fuck are you? Where is your, where are your parents? Exactly. Like that shit drives me nuts. Anyhow, you want to talk about this story? Yeah, I suppose we probably should. Well, let's get right into it. <laughs> the disappearance of Judy Smith. Judy Smith. This, um, I like this one because like I wrote in my notes, full blown normies. Yeah. Yeah. I like mean, nothing. These people were so normal they their listed um pastimes were basketball games and the community theater yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> but you have to you have to also take into consideration normal? they're also older when they finally get together i mean they've she's yeah. had two other failed marriages or whatever 
Um, he's been married yep. in the past, so I mean, you know, it's not like they're like still young, kicking it. Yeah, these are middle-aged people in the late nineties, right? Yeah. So, and in their defense, everyone loved basketball in nineteen ninety-seven. Everyone. 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 Literally. Yeah. Literally. And the NBA was fucking killer when we were kids. I mean, yeah. Oh, I, I, I mean, I grew up loving <laughs> it was basketball. Awesome. Like, you know. Yeah, same. I, I don't. I. I mean, I. I even kept up until. I mean, it's been a few years now. Few. I'm. Like, yeah. I say a few, and it's been like almost probably around ten years since I've really actually watched anything or kept up at all. But you know, I used to. Yeah, that's. I mean, we grew up in the era of the dream team. The like we had, you know, the Bulls were the best basketball team that ever existed. Right. The yeah. '90s Bulls. And but like yeah, for sure, for sure, it was. And I grew up in a, you know, my dad was a Pacers fan, right? And that was the best era for them, too, with, like, Reggie Miller and fucking... It was... It was something. Yeah. Basketball was a thing when we were kids. Indiana's a basketball state anyway. I mean, yeah, for sure. Um, Speaking of sports, the the, uh, Diamondbacks won the World Series. How about that? Well, what? Wow. First time ever. It's their first World Series win. I'm I'm actually surprised. Yeah, they were really good games. I'm, I'm not a Diamondbacks fan, but I mean me either. They were they were good games. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Texas is having a moment for sure. Hey, let them have it for just you know just this once. They ain't yeah, getting it just again. Just once. <laughs> you hear me, all you Texans? Dude, I. I, st- I started this off making fun of Judy and Jeffrey for being sports fans, and then we talked <laughs> about basketball and baseball for five minutes. Right. Um, but yeah, I, 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 this felt very Dateline to me. Yeah, I know. I you feel know what that. I mean? It's I like it's, yeah, it's right there for sure. Where it's like very normal people. Like yep. this crazy thing happened in the most normal place, and Dateline has that sort of that uh blue velvet vibe like everything looks normal on top but there's something diabolical happening under the surface you know what i mean right yeah i mean so, I, I get it for sure it's it's very much it like it reads it reads like that it's a very kind of your run-of-the-mill story but yeah. i mean there's Normal some people. aspects to, right some aspects to it that are really kind of set it set it apart yeah there's some bizarre shit in here yeah like honestly to to pile on to their title as normies she goes back they they go to the airport she goes back because she forgot her id by the way not in 1997 it was a new thing that you had to have id to get on an airplane at an airport yeah right that's <laughs> holy shit i was watching uh this watching is the pre-9-11 recently. world yeah I was watching a movie recently and it was before it was before now where you could still literally go right up to the gate with like whoever you're seeing off. That just seems yeah. so wild to me. Of just yeah. how like how it's, much security is like you have to go through to get through yeah. an airport and everything and like just yeah, yep. they were just right there. They walked right on the plane yeah. as the person just watched them walk. <laughs> I'm, I'm just that's so crazy. Yeah, but like that's you're gonna, how it used to be. 
the idea in 2023 that you would walk someone all the way to their terminal. Right. You know what I mean? Like, that's, yeah, there are like four lines of security between there and where it's you have just, to stop if you don't have a ticket. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, I'd, it's just like, yeah. that was like a cute little time capsule. You know what I mean? That right. like, oh shit, I have to have an ID to get on a plane now. I guess but I'll go back. Also, you know, she's just like, oh, you go ahead. And he's like, all right, babe. <laughs> yeah. He's, I mean, he did reluctantly that, agree, but still, yeah, yeah. you know. The normie, the, the normie thing, though. She goes back home, gets her ID, takes a later flight at 7.30, arrives in Philly, at, you know, and she brings him a bouquet of flowers to apologize for forgetting her ID. Yeah, she did. Yep. Like... Such normies. I mean, holy yeah. shit! It's kind of cute though. Like, I mean, it seems like it, it seems like they had a pretty decent relationship. Yeah, I know that there's. See, and I thought about that when the, when the one person was speculating later on that they were kind of on the rocks at the time that it happened. I right, was like, it was her she brought him flowers. Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, literally, um, her friend was one of the ones. That uh, her friend Carolyn Dickey and said that their marriage was very tenuous and she believed that something yeah. did happen that triggered her to want to have some time away from him, right? Like, yeah, but like okay. everybody else, all the family members, everybody that was interviewed was like, they had a fantastic relationship. They were very much in love, like blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I suppose it's, it's possible. Like people hold a lot of that in. And yeah, it's, I will say like, before we get into like speculating and stuff there's yeah. there's no there's no one knows what goes on in marriage other yeah. than the two people in the marriage you know what i mean like true. you there's no way of knowing what's going on behind closed doors like he could have been a monster he you know what have, i mean right exactly she, she could have been a monster she could like, have exactly she could have been a secret drug addict mm-hmm. you know what i mean like there's shit that goes on behind closed doors that just no one ever finds out about yeah i mean that's true that's true it's it's, it is crazy to think about because i mean a lot of a lot of time we don't really think like that but yeah yeah, you never know what people are going through or how their relationships actually are um how those people are in those relationships i mean yeah i mean some some couples are very very lovey-dovey and you know it's pretty obvious they probably have a pretty good relationship Yeah. But some, but I'm, I would say, at, at least one percent of those go home, and when they're out of the public eye, they're just like dripping venom, yeah, for each other. That's, that's you know true. what I mean. Yeah. Like, I suppose it's are, easy enough to put it, on a it's good just show, like that. right? Yeah, exactly. She could have been bringing him flowers so that he didn't chain her to the radiator right. that night, or she could have put you know poison what I mean? in those flowers so when he sniffed them, <laughs> he passed out dead. <laughs> Yeah, and he's like, of. "Oh, thanks, sweetie," <laughs> and then slowly throws them away. Yeah, exactly. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I'll get you one day. <laughs> Not on my watch. Oh man! I like how they've slowly become like villains from Harvey Birdman. <laughs> um, Not to take any of this, like you know lightly or whatever yeah i mean, I mean you it gotta, is a big deal yeah but yeah it's 
all this to make the point that like there's really no way of knowing how their relationship really was right exactly and you know i mentioned dateline before but if there's one thing that that show has taught me it's that you always look at the husband i, I that's, always, always, that's always. always the first first anyways right yeah if anything ever happens the husband did it either the husband or the butler yeah <laughs> I recently heard a detective in an interview say, um, odds are he was he was like he was talking about someone who'd been murdered and he's like, yeah. odds are the person the person who killed her was someone who loved her at one point. Like that's just how it is most of the time. Yeah. I I mean Which I think applies to a lot of these cases. Oh, know? I agree. I agree for sure. Yeah. Sucks to be the man in that case. Especially if you know yeah that wasn't the case yeah i often tell my wife because we watch a lot of true crime together so you know we have jokes but um i often tell her that if she ever we have jokes (laughs) i i often tell her that if she's ever gonna if she ever decides to die mysteriously to make sure i have an alibi (laughs) yeah that's smart yeah because as many stories as there are of like, oh shit, the husband actually did it. There are stories where the guy goes to prison for twenty years before they figure out that it actually wasn't him. Yeah, yeah. I, oh yeah. man, imagine That'd be that shit. So shitty. Yeah. There's a reason those people get like forty million dollar settlements after they get out of prison. Here, have fun spending this with your last few years you have left. Right. Now that you're an old man. I just heard a case earlier today where a dude did 38 years in prison before they proved it wasn't Good him. Christ. Yeah. He was like 22 when they wow. when they arrested him. I mean, yeah. oh man, that's awful. Yeah, it's terrifying. Mhm. It's just that's that's all the more reason to stay indoors all the time. <laughs> yeah, don't get in trouble, just keep to yourself. Yep. And try to stay happy, bud. <laughs> it's true. It's really true. Also, if you're in a relationship and you're over it, just fucking leave. Well, just yeah. get out. You don't have to kill them. Just get out of there. Like, it's so much easier. Right. But then there's that old, if I can't have you, no one can. No, oh, fuck that. Right. I mean, Try not being 15. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Try that on for size yeah, and just true. leave. Yeah. You <sighs> heard it here, fellow people. Just leave. Just leave. <laughs> do it yeah if you've been debating exactly. it do it now don't keep yeah don't keep yourself in that position if you're unhappy sure. get out of there get out a lot of people stay for the kids and then they end yeah. up killing their spouse because they <laughs> you know the rage like bottles up you know what i mean like they're in this shitty marriage for like 20 so long, years right. because they're yeah they think it's better for the kids mm-hmm. it's not better for the kids no, see, I, I, I used you. to think like that too. <laughs> like, like, I used to think, yeah. oh, if I, you know, if I'm ever married, like, and we have kids, like, even even if it's rough, I'm gonna stick through it because you know, I don't, I don't want to grow up like you know, I did, not not having parents that were together, or both having you know yeah. whatever, and so, but like, I also I see now, like, why would you want your children to go through such a terrible home life, having yeah, to endure exactly. and see that all the time, right? Why wouldn't you want to see yeah. them happy, even if it means that they're not together? Yeah, absolutely. That really set in with me when I had a daughter. Because I was like, 
I think that's when I really realized, like, that's when it really firmed up, like, in my mind, the idea that that your actions are creating templates for your kids to fill out later. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and you don't want to, you don't want to raise your child to think that that's what a normal relationship is, or that's what you should be seeking in a relationship. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If it's bad, you gotta go. Yeah. Just get out of there. (laughs) Honestly, like, (laughs) what would you want to teach your kids other than like pursue happiness? Right. You know, be a good person, you know, in whatever form it takes, do, do what you can to make sure that your mental health is, it's, you know, your utmost priority. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's important. And again, we're going to continue to make that an important topic on this show, whether people yeah. like hearing that's about f- it or not, because it is important. It is. It's, it's another thing you learn as a parent is like that that old cliche that you have to put your own oxygen mask on first yeah right that like you can't do care that, for though. your children if you're not caring for yourself oh i know but yeah. i like i think it's about hard, that it's a hard lesson to learn right yeah but i think about that like on a plane when they're going through like the safety stuff and i'm just like there's no way i wouldn't want to yeah uh, help those around me before you know focusing on myself like oh yeah. especially if i had kids but think of yeah, but think of how many more people you could help if you had your oxygen mask already on. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, but those hoses that's, only that's reach whole... so far. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but you can assume your children are near you, right? And you you would I mean, be able to help yeah. them much more efficiently if you could breathe. That's a... <laughs> true. So... true. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the whole idea, right? You have to take care of yourself right. so that you can take care of the that's, people. Yeah. That yeah. you need to take care of. Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. Yeah. Just leave people. So. <laughs> leave. Um, <laughs> we're, done, we're done with that part. Yeah. So where this case really gets weird, though, is in the eyewitness reports. Yeah. About Judy. Yeah. So there's after, some, like. Right. Something really, like, really good. Like, she seemed just so sweet. And she was talking about her, you know, her husband being here on business. And she's looking at the city, whatever. Um, yeah, but there were a few strange ones. Yeah, where they said she was almost delusional, and uh, there was there was one there was one comment where someone had said it looked like it seemed like she was speaking in tongues, and yeah, like she tried to grab this little girl, thinking she's her daughter and stuff, and but there was never like everything that I read. There was never anything that ever said that she had any type of like mental illnesses or anything like that that would you know she would be having like some weird like psychotic break or or whatever right um which i suppose how old was she uh she was 50 okay so that's way late for a sudden onset of schizophrenia right but i mean some of those do get diagnosed pretty pretty late in life um especially the mass the the majority of schizophrenia onsets in late teens and early 20s. Do you mean like, um, what's it called? The thing that goes along with Alzheimer's. So there's late onset schizophrenia. Um, okay. Diagnosed after age 45. Uh, people are more Just likely to rare. have symptoms like delusions and hallucinations. Right. 
But there's a thing that... What the fuck is the word, dude? Dementia. I mean, yeah, there's dementia, too. That's what, yeah. I, that's what I was thinking. I mean, those those things... Dementia can definitely crop up. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Like, I always, I always worry about those things, developing things like that. Alzheimer's, like... Yeah? Yeah. I would hate for it to come on... The problem is with dementia and... Alzheimer's is that it comes on very slowly. Right. And you sort of like experience every agonizing moment of losing who you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's not just like a switch flips and suddenly you don't know who you are anymore. I mean, like yeah. you're cognizant of the fact that you're losing your mind. Yeah. And that makes it which is so scary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So could it have been something like that? Maybe could someone I have mean, slipped her? Could someone have slipped her something? And that's a possibility too, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's hard. To, been, it's hard to say. She, yeah, she could have been dosed for sure. Right, she could have been on bath salts. <laughs> it sounded like it in some of those. <laughs> She's like talking about how the what like the the prince is gonna wire her money or something like that. The emperor will wire her money. The emperor. Yeah. Yeah. And there's the the crazy story of the homeless doppelganger. Yeah. Well, that, yeah, there's a girl that apparently looks identical to her that is known in the area and is is homeless. And she was mistaken for her several times. Maybe it was a doppelganger switcheroo. Maybe it was. Oh... So maybe Judy's actually here. down there still. Yeah. Living on the mean streets Philly. of Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe she did this, switched places with her doppelganger, and then after that happened, she was able to just live out her, the rest of her life. She had some spending money. She, you know. Um there's some theories we'll we'll discuss, of course. Um but maybe maybe that was part of it. Yeah. I'm because the fact that she ended up 600 miles away. Yeah, that's six 600 miles. She was in Asheville, North and Carolina. to get weird again, she was found in a national park. Yeah, yeah, there she was. Which is some missing 411 shit right, right there. So do we think like, maybe it was aliens? <laughs> maybe. <laughs> they don't usually leave... Uh, cut marks on bras and bones i mean maybe like they went to let her out but they didn't realize they were up so far and she just <laughs> fell to her death <laughs> and then the animals ate her yeah could have been yeah could i've heard some i've heard some alien stories like that where oh they, yeah for sure they like dropped them from like four feet just four feet above the ground and they're like fucking seriously <laughs> you couldn't have just lowered me four more feet like beam me down yeah. man all the way. Yeah, exactly. The um the daughter's quote I found particularly emotional. Yeah, I like, agree. I agree. That that one's sad. It's like I know that feeling. There are like parts of your life that you always thought you'd share with your parent and then Yeah. It takes a bit to realize like, oh wait, they're not gonna be here for that now. You know? Yeah. And it's yeah. I worry about those things sad. for sure. Yeah. You know, like and your parents, grandparents, if you're ever close with them, like, you know, like 
maybe specific people that you grew up being exceptionally fond of um, and yeah. close with, and yeah, just that potential that what if they never get to see you reach those points and it was always planned, right? So yeah, yeah, it, it it was a it was a sad quote for sure. I found it interesting that along with the body they found, or the remains rather, they found all of her cash. So right. she clearly wasn't. Well, that's she wasn't robbed exactly. Probably wasn't kidnapped because generally you'd take someone's belongings if you kidnapped them, right? You would think. Also, six hundred miles is a long way to drive with a hostage. Yeah, yeah. Like maybe like crossing state lines. Right. Maybe this. Maybe she like hitchhiked for a long time. So I mean, well, let, let's just talk about it. So I mean, there's a couple yeah. different potential theories that you know people get into. Like, why? Why was she there? Like, what? You know. Um. So. They, the Sam Constance, uh, the detective from Buncombe, I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing it correctly. I might not be. It's B U N C O M B E. Maybe Buncombe? Buncombe, maybe Buncombe, Buncombe. Yeah, either one of those. That sounds fine. Something like that. Um, so the detective who investigated the case believes that Judy wasn't abducted and came to the Asheville area voluntarily. Uh, he went on to say, uh, he went on to, yeah, say he didn't believe that she was killed elsewhere and dumped at the site due to the distance anyone or even someone in the best physical condition would have had to carry her body to dispose of it there as well. Which I yeah, mean, that, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense for sure. I and mean, she's like in the yeah, heart of this forest. they're probably out there together. Yeah. Yeah. So just, uh, just to go ahead and get a couple of these out. So. First of all, investigators through the Buncombe, Buncombe County Sheriff's Department ruled out Jeff Jeffrey or Jeff, her husband, as suspect, um, who had died in 2005, like we had mentioned. Uh, but they ruled him out as a suspect because he was, quote unquote, morbidly obese. And I mean, he was, gotcha. he was a big guy. And they believe that he wouldn't yeah. have been physically able to even take take her body up the slope because it was on like a deep incline. Um, to yeah, where it was probably actually even make found it up the slope well. himself. Right, exactly. Um, yeah. His presence at the conference during the day Judy disappeared was also uh, has also been corroborated. So yeah, he was he was confirmed to be still at the conference during the time that she disappeared. I mean everything, right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, they. But for some reason, even despite all that, they never completely eliminated him as a suspect. He was the well, husband. I was, I was about to say, that does not rule out the fact that he could have hired someone to take care that's of That's true. That's true as well, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's true. Especially, like, that would have been the perfect time to do it, too, because when are you going to have more witnesses to your alibi than when you're going, when you're, when you have a conference? Yep. You're going to be meeting dozens of people, you're going to be, you know what I mean? Like, that would have been the perfect time to hire someone to kill yeah. her. So that's where um, we talk about. So in there was an Unsolved Mysteries episode. It was season 12, episode 11. I made sure to note it down just in case anybody okay. wanted to watch it. Uh, where Carolyn Dickey, the, her friend, had told Unsolved Mysteries that she believed that something did happen that triggered her to want some time away from the husband. So there's been a lot of... Okay. Uh, there's been a lot of people that kind of came up with random theories as to like that whole thing. Um, some some people yeah. think that she actually took the time, being that they were going to be there. She's going to be closer, uh, you know, uh, to 
to the area that way she could get to North Carolina. She knew somebody either there or maybe had a potential love interest that she was trying to get to. Maybe someone that she had never actually met face to face. Um, had been having like, you know, been talking to here and there or something, whatever. Um, and was trying to get to them and either they killed her or say, I mean, that's, that's the thing. Or someone else did or someone else did. Right. I don't know. Was, was there, I mean, was there any reason to suspect that she was having like a long distance thing with someone? Well, I mean, that's the thing, is the only person that actually spoke negatively about their relationship was Carolyn Dickey. Okay. She was the only person. Everybody else that they interviewed said that they had a great relationship, that they were very much in love, and even in that yeah. Unsolved Mysteries episode, um, they interviewed Jeff, and he was he was talking, you know, like, how much he was like, I, I love my wife very much, and I know that she loved me, like, you know, we, yeah, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Like, I mean, but like, you know, it's, I don't know. I mean, of course you can say that, but yeah, of course that was the only person that had anything negative to say. And Her even, best friend. right. And even Jeff in like, in passing on that episode too, he's like, he's like every, every couple gets into arguments, you know, no, yeah, no marriage course. is, is perfect there. You know, there's always, always going to be something. He's like, but besides that, our marriage was great. He's like, but of course, every couple yeah. has problems. He's like, so I'm not going to say we yeah. never did, but you know, you're also always going to have that confidant who hears the worst of it. Oh yeah, of you course. know what I mean. Like, bitch, like you, you, you get in a little better. spat. Yeah, right. But you get in that li- uh, in a little spat with your partner, and you go, you're still pissed, and you go talk to your best friend. And they, you might they exaggerate you a little bit because you know right, exactly yeah, you're pissed exactly. in the heat of the moment. Yeah, you know, and then it's like next day. Oh, I was just I was mad. I was angry. Like blah blah. But them, yeah. all they're gonna remember is you being so mad, you being flared up, them having to yeah. help bring you down. Right? Yeah, that's another yeah. that's another unfortunate thing. But you know, yeah. What's the sense of having like a best friend if you can't vent to them? <laughs> Right. Yeah, for sure. Regardless, for sure. but uh, they're also supposed to help help keep you grounded at the same time. Yeah. So I think that I think that's the important bit, right? You have to you have to be able to recognize when your friend is just pissed. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. You know. So there yeah. there are a lot of people that think that there was a potential love interest just because, like, yeah, and that she was taking that time, that opportunity to, as soon as she could, get away and make her way there. Um. Yeah. Again, there's not really That's anything to back it. There's not really any other yeah. like evidence or anything that would suggest it. Um, the state of North Carolina and uh, Jeff Jeffrey Smith combined uh, offered a seventeen thousand dollar reward, uh, money reward, cash reward for any information leading to the resolution of the case as well. And there was never anything ever provided. Yeah, I don't. Because my first instinct is like he hired someone to kill his wife right that's my first instinct but okay the fact that she was taken so far away right like what i think I mean, maybe that doesn't make sense maybe take her 100 miles that's, 600 miles sure yeah <laughs> that's it's a, crazy right it's from pennsylvania to north carolina like yeah you know how many 
That's a long way to drive even with a corpse in your trunk. I mean, yeah, true. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's... Nobody does that. If you're... Like, if... If you're hired to kill someone, you minimize risk. Right? Yes. And driving on the interstate for 600 miles with a with a dead body or a hostage mm-hmm. in your car... That's like maximum risk. Yeah. You know I what guarantee I mean? you like, not all that's interesting either. There's going to be side roads you're going to have to get off yeah. of, other exits to get whatever, like, yeah. Yep. How many stoplights are you going to pull up next to a policeman? You know exactly. I mean? In 600 miles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense. It really that. doesn't. I like, feel like she, I feel like she made it to North Carolina on her own. I think so too. I think for whatever reason, she went there. On purpose. Especially that that, the one eyewitness that she was talking about in Asheville, she was actually in the store talking like perfectly normal, right? Like, oh yeah, my husband's a lawyer. He's at a conference. I'm just out Mm -hmm. hanging out 600 miles away. While in North Carolina. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's something, something that drew her to that location. Some reason, something, some person, whatever it was, yeah. that drew her there. And again, I mean, we can only assume. Otherwise, it just doesn't. Like she was there to see this forest. I, I don't know. Um, or she <laughs> yeah, was there to see know. someone. Most likely, someone. Yeah. Probably. And I think that's I where a lot of these do- like that this love interest theory of fk men yeah because that makes the most sense yeah if i were to do a little screenwriting a little screenplay writing here i would say she probably had a romantic interest in north carolina she took the opportunity to drive down and see him and then something happened let's say maybe they spend the night together and then she makes it clear, like, I'm not staying here. I have to go back to my husband. Right. Whatever. Right. He's rejected. He stabs her to death. Yeah. Or his wife comes home, stabs her sure. to death. He covers it up. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, that, yeah. Like, those make the most sense to me out of everything. It's just, it's it's crazy because there's so much missing. Right. There, there is from the story. Is. You know There's what I mean. A like, lot missing. You have to fill sure. in so many blanks to make even something just kind of fit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Now, with that said, there is also another theory. Uh, so it's also been suggested that Judy might have encountered Gary Michael Hilton, which is a serial killer who had la- who was later arrested and convicted of several killings on hiking trails in national forests in the southern Appalachian Mountains between (laughs) 2007 and 2008. Uh, Hilton was also... uh, Hilton has not been linked to Judy's killing. So that's the thing to know. He hasn't been linked to it, but... um, You know, while he did leave the body of one of his victims tied to a tree not too far from where Judy's body was found, his known killings did not begin until October of 2007. So basically just after a decade, just a decade after a murder murder. So that's the other thing yeah. is, I mean, he, yeah, he was doing some, he was doing some murdering in the area. 
but not till 10 yeah. years later. So, but some people think that maybe she was one of the earlier murders he might have com- was he committed? Yeah. Cuz I'm not super familiar with the Hilton case, but like is it confirmed that he was in the area during that time? No. 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 Again, I mean, the thing that the thing that ties him to that is in 2007 when he started committing these murders and everything there was another so where Judy's body was found in 1997 and 2007 there was a body found of someone tied to a tree that was pretty close to where Judy's body was actually found in 97 yeah so that's where they tied and if I remember correctly tied those two together Hilton stabbed his victims yeah I'm pretty sure Hilton stabbed his victims yeah 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 so I mean that's it's possible. See, it's it's not at all strange to find out that a serial killer actually started killing years and years and years earlier than right. Even if it was like a couple trial runs and then he didn't do anything for the next ten, twenty years, that happens. Yeah, yeah, it does. It really does. Or there could be a string of unexplained murders that actually belong to him that he never confessed to. Yep. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That shit happens all the time. Basically, every serial killer, there's speculation of when their first murder yeah. was. Oh, yeah. And some people think it, always think it's much earlier than other people. I mean, because that's a pretty, you can pretty much almost, almost guarantee it. I, you can't guarantee it, but almost, I mean, you know, especially a serial killer. Um, if it's like, yeah. it, if it's like a one-off, like, guy killed his wife and then killed his neighbor. You know, yeah. Maybe maybe he wasn't committing a ton of murders before then, but I'd say like a serial killer, yeah. it's normally a pretty safe bet that yeah, that's not going to be the they didn't just start then. Probably they, there probably was a past, at least to some degree. I don't know, right? Yeah, but I mean you can usually assume that. Yeah, so that's that's another thing. Yeah, I mean, okay, so he would have been Gary Hilton would have been. About her age. He was born in 46, so he would have been... Okay, yeah. He would have been about 60 at the time of the murder. Well, she was born in 47, I believe. Okay. So, yeah, that should have put so, yeah. them... They would have been around the same age. the same age, yeah. What if was Gary Hilton was the lover? So. Ooh. What if Gary Hilton was the lover? That's an even better turn. Right? I love it. Yeah. What if that's how he got his first taste of... Mm of murder you know what i mean from this like she rejects him and he goes crazy on her in the forest i think we just solved this whole thing (laughs) (laughs) we definitely wrote a pretty good story about it no i i like that that's Um, that's an awesome that's an awesome take i'm i was just thinking like if this is way before he the murders he confessed to yeah there's another thing with serial killers where they don't like to talk about the ones that are actually emotional for them. I mean, yeah, and maybe that was, the, you know, yeah. Th- maybe this was the one that yeah. started them all. They were in love. She couldn't stay. He couldn't bear to not have her. And then, of course, if he yep. can't have her, no one can. She didn't, he didn't want her to Try go back to the 15. husband. And <laughs> he lays her yeah. down, and yeah. So he never con- he never yeah. admitted to it. You know, didn't want to, didn't want to, you know, bring up old past and feelings. Admit to killing the woman he loved. Exactly. Wow. It's almost poetic. It is. 
<laughs> That's fucking dark. It is. It's super dark. Yeah. That's that honestly something like that makes sense to me. Hon- me if too. I was yeah. obviously there's no evidence tying uh, right. Gary Hilton to the murder. Yeah. Um we're just we're just writing a screenplay here basically. Yeah. But like like I said there's so many gaps. There's so much missing there information. Are, and that's that's the that's uh, and that's the bugger. Like Yeah. There, there I is. mean 600 miles of travel undocumented. Yeah. Like the number of things that could have possibly happened in that time. You know what I mean? It's right. impossible. I'm, I'm, I mean, and you would think like maybe she would have stopped other places. Like I'm surprised they don't have like a whole roadmap lined out for her. She stopped yeah. in this, that, whatever else. Like maybe she only stopped once. Yeah. Um, you That's, know, that is, is a little strange because this, because she disappeared from Pennsylvania and she, her remains were found in North Carolina. So this the case crosses state lines. The FBI should have been primarily investigating this. Right. Yeah. So like they should because I was gonna say it's kind of tough for especially back in the nineties for um for local authorities to do that kind of long distance canvassing. I mean it's completely out of you their jurisdiction I mean? but, like, at that point. Yeah. But for the FBI, that's what they do. Mm-hmm. That's what they're good at. So you'd think there would be something of a roadmap yeah, of what agreed. what she did in that time period. Not anything I was able to um, find, at least. I mean, like I said, the ones yeah. that the the notable ones, like of the eyewitness reports and everything, were mentioned every bit of it in the, in the story. Like yeah. you know, you had the people while There's she was so in Pennsylvania, and then in an a- in Asheville itself. Like yeah, it's like they didn't talk to anyone in between there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah. It's like that whole which is period was missing, yeah. Which makes me think maybe she was abducted, and then sure. they were like, "Here you go, Jude. Here's here's old Gary's house," and they yeah. dropped her off. Exactly. And then he did the rest. Yeah, I mean, literally anything could have happened. Yeah, in that agreed. time period. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, Ryan, this is a right mystery. That it really is. is. That it is. You brought a, a good, healthy mystery to the table, and I appreciate that. Well, you're welcome. I figured, and I know we had okay. talked about it, but uh, coming off of the month of October, I didn't want to just get right into like a haunt or a cryptid or an abduction yeah. or something like that. That because it just feels like it almost kind of a continuation. I feel like it needed a good transition, right? Yeah. So there we go. Yeah, I mean, we spent we we spent the month of October talking urban legends. We did lots of fiction, lots of speculation. It was it was a fun month. But I agree. like I this agree. was it was nice to get it was nice to get back to a more sort of grounded story. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I think uh I think that's going to do it for this episode. Uh episode 122, The Disappearance of Judy Smith. And that's the big cheese. Thank you, thank you, thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week, and it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you, so please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook, at campfire.totsau on Twitter, and you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please... 
rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And and trust trust in the unknown. unknown.